You're listening to Byzantine Gospel Reflections, a podcast made possible through the work of the Institute of Catholic Culture in collaboration with the Melkite Eparchy of Newton. I'm Father Hezekiah Carnazzo, founder and director of the Institute and host for this program. In this podcast, we'll explore the historical and literary context, themes, and significance of the readings for the coming Sunday. This podcast was originally recorded as a video for the full viewing experience, please visit us at instituteofcatholicculture.org. Blessed is our God at all times, both now and ever, and unto ages of ages. Amen. Heavenly King, Consoler, Spirit of Truth, present in all places and filling all things, the treasury of blessings and the giver of life, come and dwell within us. Cleanse us of all stain and save our souls, O good one. Welcome back to our Byzantine uh, lectionary reflection. Let's take a look at Matthew chapter 8, Matthew chapter 8, verse 28, Matthew chapter 8, verse 28. You can open your Bibles there. Make sure you get out a Bible when we're doing these Bible studies in preparation for the coming Sunday, Matthew chapter 8, verse 28. And when he came to the other side, to the country of the gatherings, two demoniacs met him and coming out of the tombs so fierce that no one could pass that way. And behold, they cried out, what have you to do with us, O son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Now a herd of many swine were feeding at some distance from them and the demons begged him, if you cast us out, send us away into the herd of swine. And he said to them, go, so they came out and went into the swine, and behold, the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea and perished in the waters. The herdsmen fled, and going into the city, they told everything and what had happened to the demoniacs. And behold, all the city came out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they begged him to leave their neighborhood. And getting into a boat, he crossed over and came to his own city." Father, we want to get a, a bit of a context here because I know, uh, looking back in my own past, I was very uh, confused about who these um, the the these uh, the Gerasenes were and uh, what is their background and uh, how do they relate to the people of God, uh, the the Jews on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. The first thing I we're going to have a little bit of a say a travel log for our participants today. We're going to pull up some maps and show exactly where Jesus went. Um, and so I just I encourage you to look back to that first verse of your text in chapter 8, verse 28. And you'll notice that it says, uh, and when he came to the other side. As you're reading through your gospel account, whenever Jesus it says that he came to the other side, when we're dealing with up there in Galilee, we're talking about the other side of, of the Jordan River. So you have the Jordan River, which comes in in the, in the basically the center of the Sea of Galilee in the north and exits basically in the center of the Sea of Galilee in the south. And that's kind of a demarcation line. It was a political line, a political line uh, between the sons of Herod the Great. Herod the Great had divided his kingdom into three parts uh, and given it to his three sons. Uh, Archelaus received Judea. Herod Antipas, his son, uh, so Herod the great son Herod, then inherits the western side of the Sea of Galilee, and Philip inherits the, the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee, and that's exactly where Jesus goes. So it says he, he got into the boat, leaving then Capernaum and that area where he loved to live there, and then 
crossed over to the other side of the sea, crossing that line of the Jordan River, and ends up in this town. So, Father, who are these people that are living over there on the eastern shore of the Sea of Galilee? Well, originally this was part of the tribal allotments in the, when, the, when Joshua came in and the people inherited the different parts of the land. But the, by now, because of the Assyrian conquest of the region, then the Babylonian conquest, then the Greek conquest, and the returns of exiles and diaspora, populations have certainly shifted. So over on the, on the east side is primarily Gentile land. This is the Galilee of the Gentiles, as we'll hear in the Gospels as well. So the, in this area where we're talking about specifically, this area of Gadara or Gergesa or Gerasa, they have the different names because of these different towns in the different Gospels, that region is right around 5 o'clock on the Sea of Galilee. So we're looking at the sea kind of like a, a clock that helps us think of, we're not talking about right where the Jordan drops out at 6 o'clock, like you said, south. Uh, and uh, but not due east, but right in between, kind of a, a southeast area. And we're pulling up these maps here for you so you can see where we're talking about exactly. And you can still visit the place today. Of course, there's a marker there, a big stone that marks this place, as there are a number of places around the Sea of Galilee where Jesus' healings took place, and you can go visit those places today. Now, Father, it says that there were two demoniacs here in the Gospel of Matthew, but I think it's in if, correct me if I'm wrong, in, in Mark and, and maybe also in Luke, where there's one, it appears there's one demoniac, and here there's two. So what's, what's, the, what's the, did Jesus go here twice? Did he encounter, you know, I mean, it looks like there's all these, these demoniacs all over the place over here. So this is an interesting difference between Matthew and Mark and Luke. So Matthew, Mark, and Luke all tell us <clears throat> about this trip to this region and dealing with a demoniac. And it's obvious that all three Gospels are talking about the same story. But when we look at Mark and Luke, the stories are very similar in that there's one demoniac there. Matthew tells us there are two. And so ooh, what's the problem? There's, it's, is it one or two, right? There's the, here's the question. So when we look at the story, we find that the, the demons speak in the plural, and so one suggestion has been that, well, maybe the idea of plurality has, has moved over in the scribal copying of the book to actually being more than one demoniac. That could, could be possible based upon how scribes do these things in the copies in the early, early period. But it's a part of a larger pattern Matthew's gospel, which indicates there's something else going on. In Matthew's gospel, we hear about two demoniacs. In Matthew's gospel, when Mark and Luke, there's one. In Matthew's gospel... There are two blind men on the road to Jerusalem out of Jericho. In Mark and Luke, there's only one. They could go on. There's a number of examples where you get these duplets in Matthew's gospel where Mark and Luke only have one. It probably goes back to a, something linguistic. Matthew's gospel is unique among the four gospels in that it was originally written in Aramaic. And Semitic languages, particularly Hebrew and Aramaic, use the plurals in different ways than we do, not always meaning more than one. So there's something in that, like that probably going on, but someone's going to have to write a few dissertations to get to the bottom of it. It's, it's fascinating. You know, Jesus comes over here and heals these demoniacs as he goes about his healing ministry uh, in the Sea of Galilee. And, and you know, there was a, an elderly priest that said one time to me, he says, life apart from God, life apart from the church is a very lonely life. And here we, we encounter these men 
and they're 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 uh, living in the tombs. They're living apart from society, and Jesus has come in his ministry to reclaim dominion over them. It's a big, a false notion, a, 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 a really a twisting of the truth, a lie of the devil, that apart from God we will find freedom. But in fact, apart from God, we don't find freedom. We find uh, we find simply dominion uh, under another power, and that is the slavery to the evil one. Either we are going to find dependence. You know, we are made. We are made for relationships, and therefore we are made for dependence upon one another and ultimately dependence upon God. And uh, there's, there's all sorts of false notions of, uh, and temptations to independence in our society and freedom in our society. But the fact of the matter is we remain very dependent people in a good way or in, in a very bad way apart from God. Um, and so he comes there to encounter this world which has come under the power of the evil one, very much symbolic of the fallen world. Uh, and, and very beautifully, he gets in, in this text, he gets into the boat, which is always the Father's goodness. The boat is a symbol of the church. And there the stormy waves of this world crash upon it. It's only within the safety of the church, the community of God, that the apostles are going to find uh, authentic freedom and authentic peace under the dominion, not of the evil one, but under the dominion of God himself. Very interesting that you, you would think that the reaction of these people in the story would have been otherwise. I mean, these are two men that are probably from this town. And here they're, they're demoniacs. They're under the power of the evil one, disrupting all sorts of, of probably within, within the town and, and known very well for their, their, uh, the, the situation in which they're living. And yet he goes and he, he casts them into swine, the, the demons into swine. And first of all, why are they, these guys herding swine and so forth if they're living in the region where the Jews are living? So yeah, this is, uh, as we talked about before, and you were talking about the divisions there, this region was, was largely Gentile here. If right. there were Jews there, they were living as fully Hellenized Jews. They were living as, as Gentiles. And so the, the swine herds in this region are being herded by the, the men of the villages and the towns in that area, which probably is behind that name variation. If we look at Mark and Matthew and Luke, we look at these different, we, and even in the manuscripts of each of the Gospels, we find that the name changes of where they are. Is it Gadara or is it Gergesa or Gerasa? Uh, these, these are towns in that region some farther away than others. And what happened is maybe you might have some swine herders from these different towns, and that gives us the different names. Or it might just simply be referring to a town that one, per, one scribe knew better than another scribe. Either way, it's the same area. This is an area that is under the control of the Gentile world. It is not part of the Jewish culture anymore, at least, and not, certainly they're not part of their religion. Why would these guys want him to leave? You would think they would have embraced this wonder-working man that healed probably their couple of sons or brothers of these guys, right? The men of the town. Well, this the problem is this is their economy. Jesus just crashed their economy, right? This is their whole, those little villages were dependent upon these herds of swine. And this is, this is how they're making their money. They're selling these swine. And all of a sudden, 
everything they had is suddenly gone, floating dead in the sea. And uh, obviously, as, as you mentioned earlier, there's this theme of the, the demonic world. And the fathers talked about this, right? Jesus has wiped out the, the demons. And the physical sign of that is the swine, the unclean animals are now gone as well. So Jesus cleansed the region of its iniquity. And, and then they have this funny response. And it's, the problem is, is Jesus just messed up their economy. Jesus just messed up their livelihood, at least from their perspective. You know, that creates a problem for them. They have to make a decision. Sure. And, you know, over the last couple of weeks, you've been really focusing our attention on how the apostles are called to reprioritize their life, to bring their whole life to the ministry of Christ, not to abandon their life, but reprioritize it. Uh, You know, the the fishermen are to bring their boats. Peter opens his home to Jesus' ministry and so forth. Uh, And here I think we can really apply this now to our life to ask a, a, an important question, you know, would, would we prefer Jesus to go away had we been standing there that day? Or maybe more to the point, would we prefer Jesus to go away right now in our life and stop bothering us uh, in the sense that, you know, the faith is a, is a demanding faith. And there are times, you know, when our, when, our, when our faith and the practicing of our faith kind of gets in the way, gets in the way of our work, uh, as we approach summertime, it gets in the way of our weekends a lot of times, our family, our friends, our vacation. And, uh, and, I, and I find and I see, sadly, oftentimes people making a choice away from the faith, away from Jesus, in order to live their life. And when we live a life apart from God, as I said before, we do not find freedom, but simply slavery to another power. And certainly we see that in this, in this town. They've become enslaved by their economy, if you will. And rather than rejoice in the freedom of their brothers who have been healed, they drive Jesus, the one who can give them life, away from uh, their life. And we're challenged. And we can, we can maybe just leave it at this. There's, there's much to think about. But uh, with those questions, when we go on vacation, is the first thing we do when we make our plans to find where are we going to go to church? I was saying this to my parishioners the other day, that we cannot take a vacation from being Christians. And if we're planning to go to a town where there is not a church that we can attend, then what are we doing going on vacation there? If our work is, is such that it's getting in the way of going to church, are we making the proper changes in our life to make it possible to make our relationship with God and with the church the first order of business and everything else in relationship to that. To Christ our God be glory both now and ever and unto ages of ages. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Institute of Catholic Culture's Byzantine Gospel Reflections podcast. The Institute of Catholic Culture is an adult catechetical organization dedicated to the re-evangelization of our society through educational and cultural programs offered to the public at no charge. I invite you to explore all we have to offer, including over 900 hours of on-demand catechetical opportunities, and sign up for our upcoming events by visiting instituteofcatholicculture.org.